Hey, welcome back to Popcorn Politics. It's me, Dermot, and I'm here with Jack. Hi, Dermot. Uh, welcome back to talking about political movies. What are we talking about this week? So this week, just to set the scene for our listeners, I have just had my dinner and I ate two chicken Kievs. So I'm very sleepy. And that's not ideal because I already didn't feel like I had a lot to say about The Dictator, the 2012 Sasha Baron Cohen movie. But I think right now I'm... I'm I'm not even operating at full at, at at full steam at full standard. You're not get. I'll do my best, but I went to Sainsbury's the other day. Uh, had to buy some chicken kievs. Girlfriend doesn't like chicken kievs, so I was going to eat them like over the course of like two days. Turns out I didn't look at the expired date, and they were going off tomorrow or maybe even today. And so it was just like cool. I guess I'm going to eat both of the. So you put all your podcast energy into digesting chicken kievs. Yeah, and. Chicken, I should stress chicken Kievs and chips and uh, what else? And, and mushy peas. So like, love it. Um, you're gonna get a, hopefully a lot of Jack this episode. Yeah, and a lot of me going, wow, that's really good. <laughs> as my body just churns through what I have put into it. But let's talk about the dictator. It is a 2012 Sasha Baron Cohen vehicle. It's directed by Larry Charles. It has, uh, along with Mr. Sasha Baron Cohen, it has Anna Faris. Ben Kingsley, Jason Mandukas, and John C. Riley, And it tells the story of a fictional dictator uh, of a sort of northeast African nation of Wadia. His name is Admiral General Aladdin. Uh, he is the worst person possibly to ever exist. He's based sort of on Idi Amin and, and more than anyone, clearly Muammar Gaddafi. And it is about him. It's the inspiring story of a mass murderer, monster who loses power and has to try to get it back again through just the worst ways possible. Through hijinks. Yeah, when I say the worst ways, I don't mean as in morally the worst. I just mean this film is... I think this is the first film that we've watched. We've gone, oh, this is just like a, a bad film. Like, we're not film critics here. We're, we're, like, we're here to talk about the politics of this film. But we would do the, the listener a disservice by not saying just right off the bat that this is not an entertaining film. Yeah, I want to be very clear. This this is um, a really important movie for this podcast. I think it's actually a really important event for this podcast, uh, even though we are still in our early days. This is actually the first podcast that Dermot, or sorry, this is the first movie that Dermot has picked for the podcast that did not involve Ryan Gosling. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, you're right. This is the first Gosling-less film. I'm sorry. I it's the first Gosling- Blade Runner. Gosling-less film that you've picked. Yeah. I'm disappointed myself. I should have picked Blade Runner, the Blade Runner sequel, because I haven't seen that, and I heard it's pretty good. But we can do it another week. You can, you can pick that we got for next. Well, it's, well, I'll have to pick that. You don't get to pick any of the Gosling. I can pick a Gosling movie uh, if I want to. This, this isn't a real... We so never agreed to Ra- that. We never agreed to that. We just were trying to do everything but talk about The Dictator. So The Dictator, basically, it's... He is this horrendous, misogynist, anti-Semitic parody of a dictator and it's 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 a cartoon so this 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 movie is like a political satirical cartoon but done in live action that that's what it's supposed yeah yeah i think that's a fair thing to say he basically he has been ruling this place since childhood he is attempting to peacefully according to him create nuclear weapons with which he will attack israel and because of that, he's coming under a lot of pressure from the international community. Now, he's also coming under pressure because he refuses to sell his oil fields because he made a promise to his father before his father died. So 
the UN Security Council, anyway, are meeting to decide whether or not they want to actually invade Wadia and take Admiral General Aladdin out, take him out of the picture. And so he is traveling to New York to address the council in person and hijinks ensue. Yeah, emphasis on the hijinks. Um, that is exactly what the movie's about. It's it's, it's kind of like a, a gross out comedy from 10 years ago. It's in the same vein as lots of other movies from around the same time. It's kind of almost like one of the scary movie movies, you know, humor wise. It's not particularly funny. There's uh, some moments I thought were pretty good. Um, it's got a couple of moments that are like, for a political nerd you look at it and go oh that's actually quite good but you don't laugh at them yeah yeah it's, um, it's like oh well i see what they're doing there that's a decent critique of this entire philosophy oh well well done yeah bravo bravo you say from the gallery but uh yeah there, there, there's lots of humor in it that's just it hasn't aged well at all it's a it's a couple of bravos and then a lot of like kind of light coughing yeah although um, I, did, I did say or i would say that the um one or two scenes I actually did enjoy and thought were quite funny, like the torture scene. I thought was pretty funny. The torture scene was quite funny. Again, we're not laughing about it. We're ruining the joke by talking about it. Um, oh, well, I didn't laugh at it when I watched it. So. I kind of gave it a, gave a, a sensible chuckle at it. Um, essentially, the uh, the torture scene. I'll just we, we might as well. Do you want to just do you want to just blast through the story? Blast through the story. Okay, so yeah. it starts off in this fictitious North East African dictatorship uh where when um the admiral general whatever his name is was born he is obviously born to like a kind of modern monarchy kind of thing he grows up in riches he's spoiled he becomes just a terrible terrible human being winds up basically living a cartoonish version of dictators that are famous all over the world most notably Gaddafi. he wants his nation to create a nuclear arms program and the way the nation is kind of seen in the movie it's just desert just bare sahara inhospitable desert except for giant palaces in the middle of nowhere clearly all the money is just coming from oil or you know and well i want to touch on that because that doesn't make any sense no and touch touch all of it there go on go on dermot well it doesn't make any sense because they say they're not selling off the oil fields yeah the reason that dubai and uh, I don't know about Abu Dhabi, but definitely Dubai is so rich is because of trade. But we don't have any sense that there's, there's any trade. So how does a country that doesn't have any oil wealth, how does this? how is this man so ridiculously wealthy? Like, I, I understand, obviously, that it's, I know it's parody. I get that. I feel yeah. like my my mother is watching me going, it's just meant to be a joke, Dermot. But like, yeah. I am watching this going like, this world doesn't make sense. You were taken out of the story, Dermot. You were, you were taken yes. out of the story. I was taken out of the story. You're taken out of the anyway, storytelling, the Sasha Baron, the Sasha Baron Cohen storytelling. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, but go on. That was just a rant I wanted to go on. Yeah. No. No. Well done. Yeah. I think the oil thing, though, mainly is. I think. I think the oil is kind of maybe somewhat like Saudi Arabia. Or maybe I'm getting this wrong. In that the money all just goes to him and his family, and it just doesn't really go back to the people, or it doesn't really go to international corporations much. Yeah. I was. I was wondering if it was meant to be like. Venezuela, where like it's uh, definitely like national. Venezuela. No, no, but I mean in that. I mean in terms of like it's it's that national oil company, and they only, or maybe like Iraq, where's a national oil company, and they kind of get the profits through that. But yeah, yeah I think we're 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 asking too many questions about this. I think to be fair, this podcast exists completely to. If there's one thing this podcast exists to do, it is to watch the dictator and try to break down how politically viable 
this dictatorship would be. Yeah, right. We'll spend That's... the first half hour of the podcast talking about the economics of this fi- fictional. Let's get through the story first off, because yeah. I, I. So there is a subplot about his uncle, who was uh, in a throwaway joke, uh, the, the the rightful heir to the to the throne to the to the kingdom. He. The, the uncle is played by Ben Kingsley, which is possibly the funniest thing about the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, so Ben Kingsley's character is the uncle, the, the rightful heir to the throne. He seems he comes across as really competent, knows what's going on. He convinces Sasha Baron Cohen's character to go to New York to address the international community to stop UN observers going in to look at the nuclear arms program. But he has an ulterior motive. He clearly wants him gone. He wants the throne himself. So we see his backroom dealings with international business oil companies, all that kind of stuff. So clearly there is an interest in exploiting the oil reserves of this fictional country. And based on that greed, Ben Kingsley's character would get a huge, huge sum of money from it. He'd become leader of the country. He'd be well off because of it. He tries to stage a coup. So he gets a lookalike, a body double of Admiral General, what's his name, and basically gets rid of the real character with help from John C. Riley, who is the Secret Service kind of American security guard who uh, we meet in New York. I actually liked John C. Riley's character. I thought that was actually quite funny. This this movie does make fun of everyone right the way across the political spectrum. John C. Riley's character is kind of a you know an American good old boy. He he has the the Southern American accent, kind of like a a George W. Bush conservative guy, and he calls Sasha Baron Cohen's character an Arab. It makes the point that. Anyone who is not from America is an Arab and therefore an enemy, essentially. Uh, so, it, yeah, that's, I thought that was a very good send up of where that's, that sort of American jingoism and racism was at that time. Obviously, it, there's still a lot of Islamophobia, but the kind of the form of jingoism has changed in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I'd say it's still there, but it's less overt. But yeah, so what happens that night, the first night in New York, is John C. Riley's character kidnaps, what's his name? Admiral D- General. Admiral General Aladdin, because he call, he keeps calling him Aladdin. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. There's a lot of things in this film where you go, oh, it's very good. Yeah, but you don't laugh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he kidnaps him, tries to torture him, and Aladdin is obviously well experienced in torture, so he's making fun of all the torture equipment, saying it's out of date. It's like, oh, that that's considered too safe for Saudi Arabia and all this sort of stuff, which is actually kind that of was funny. that was very good. And one thing leads to another. John C. Riley's character winds up dead from the torture. Aladdin escapes and uh, he fi- figures out the plot and he goes into hiding and tries to tries to get back. And he um, eventually comes across the former head of his nuclear arms program, who is played by... Jason Manzoukas. Jason Manzoukas, who is one of the most ridiculous actors in Hollywood and absolutely hilarious. Well, what makes it so funny is that we are shown at the start of the film him having that guy executed and having a number of people executed. But in fact, instead of being executed, they're sent to New York. Yeah. And to sort of almost ferment a dissidence. Yeah. Um, and they all live in uh, Little Wadia. Yeah, yeah. I think it's said at one point in the movie that basically everyone who he's had executed survived. Yeah, literally everyone. Doesn't actually wind up killing anyone in the movie, which... Except for John C. Riley, I think. Yeah, but, but does he, he, even... he doesn't kill John C. Riley. It's an, it's an accident. John C. Riley kills, kills himself. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah, I think that kind of him not actually murdering anyone allows him to have a romantic relationship later in the movie with Anna Faris. Anna Faris, who or Anna, Fer- yeah, Let yeah, me Anna Faris. Sure Anna Faris is it? It is Anna Faris. Yeah, okay. Anna Faris. Yeah. Jeremy, cut this bit out. No, don't leave it in. But yeah, Anna Faris plays kind of the 
she really lends lends the mid or the early 2010s scary movie gravitas that this comedy clearly needed. She plays a hippie manager of a co-op vegan organic food grocery yeah. store in, uh, in 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 New York in Brooklyn, I think. So it's supposed to be the exact polar opposite of Aladdin's dictatorship. It's supposed to be the most democratic, the most free, the most hippie kind of commune place imaginable. And he he winds up having to work there and it's in order to survive. Um, Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue, including one moment where they fall in love while helping a woman give birth, which is one of the most stupid scenes I've seen in the movie in, in a long, long time. Uh, do you want to talk about that scene? It's he declares. So something you need to know about Aladdin is that he is the number one sports star in uh, Wadia. He is the number one actor in Wadia. He is also the number one doctor in all Wadia. So when a woman goes into labor, he goes, "I am the number one doctor in all of Wadia." He attempts to help uh, help deliver the baby, um, and they're. I don't. I barely even remember the like their eyes meet across the the woman. I believe if I'm right. No, do you, or do you want to write? While they both have their hands inside her to try and guide the baby. Out. That was it. Yes. Yeah. So it's done from the perspective of inside the womb. So again, it's just like a cartoon. It's it's just. I'm I'm not gonna lie that like I was watching this being like, what is what? Okay, fine. Yeah, I <laughs> I think I was way too sober when I watched it. Hmm. I think. Um, I was totally so, like totally sober watching this. I just I was so I, lo- I was stone cold sober when I was watching. Everything about this is just like I feel like just generally when I'm watching films and especially for this podcast, if I'm not if it's not like political, I just kind of zone out slightly because I'm just like especially for a film like this where I'm like the political stuff is so like or I care so little about the non political stuff from like a talking about it from a political point of view that I just kind of zone out. So I actually had forgotten about the hands. That is that's a f- that's a fun Family Guy moment. Yeah, it's just a stoner comedy, right? or a fun, a fun South Park moment. Yeah, or you know, if it was in Freddie Got Fingered, I would have said it was high art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So Aladdin revitalized the store using authoritarian methods. He, I did, I did really like that the, yeah. the classic movie trope of oh, I'm bringing my a little bit of what I what I bring to the place to do up the shop but the thing he brings is fascism yeah was very funny yeah he creates um fascist propaganda posters of uh, anna faris and uh yeah that's great then he uses his old friend jason manzoukas his character whatever his name is to organize getting back into the u.n getting his his position back which has been usurped by the the, the lookalike and um then he he goes into a rant he he winds up back in power back back in his own shoes and he speaks in front of the UN and he gives actually a good speech like actually a- only good part of the movie like only like part of the movie where I'm like oh I would rewatch that on like movie clips on YouTube yeah you'd rewatch the clip the yeah. movie ah no but so the the speech is basically it's saying uh, you know dictatorships are actually wonderful imagine if you ran America like a dictatorship and he lists a number of things that America already does. He says, you know, you, you can have 1% of the population having most of the wealth. You could uh, you could lock up one particular racial minority in your prisons and just act like that was fine. Uh, you can... What were the other things he listed? He listed so many things. I was like... Oh. One, uh, one person, his family, owned the entire media. 
yes, one person's family owned the entire media. You could, you, you and your friends could gamble in the economy and lose and then just get bailed, bailed out. Yeah. There's just like so many, it was, it was zinger after zinger. It almost felt like the film, and I think I remember actually, this. so I watched the film at the time. I watched this in like 2012. 2012 was a big movie year for me. Um, you, you watched like, like non-anime movies in 2012. Uh, yeah, no, I watched a couple of non-anime movies in 2012. That's um, well, clearly at least one. Two, because I think this is the same. Did the final or did um, uh, did the Eyes of March come out in 2012 as well? I think it was 2011. That, was that whole period, early college, was a great movie time for me. I used to just go over to my girlfriends and we would rent a movie from Extravision and just watch it every Friday exist? night. You were in college. Yeah, 2011, 2012. Do you want to explain for our listeners what Extravision was? It's like Blockbuster, but with, like, on, I, in my view, slightly better branding. Like, the yeah, branding was nice. nicer. Yeah, an X uh, in it. Yeah. First off, you knew it was better. And then they, unlike Blockbuster, which I think just collapsed, they tried to turn themselves into, like, a old-style Netflix. Like, do you remember how Netflix originally were, like, the people who sent you DVDs in the post? They kind of tried to turn themselves into that. Mm-hmm. And it, Netflix was already moving away from that model, so it didn't really work. But, it, uh, there's still a shop near me, which is... Uh, it was an extra vision, uh, but it's and it clearly still has all the extra vision paint and branding around it. But it's only a the only thing that building is ever used for now is it sells Christmas trees once a year. But it's in an old extra vision. It's great. But anyway, this the speech <laughs> back to the dictator. Um, but it almost felt like you, I remember people saying at the time it felt like you know this speech is the is the one really memorable part of the movie, other than. Yeah, no, th- this f- speech is the only really memorable part of the movie. And it almost felt like the entire film was just made to make this speech and that this film would have made a lot more sense as like something from the Ali G show or like some kind of sketch comedy show where you could meet Aladdin at different points and he could kind of do his thing and then maybe just have this in the final episode or something like that. Like that's how I felt. Yeah, well, I think like, you, you kind of, when we were talking about this, ages ago like in the last week or so like we, we were speaking about the movie um i think it was before we watched it but you were talking about how it was kind of sasha baron Cohen couldn't do that because this was at the yeah. height, of his, height of his fame so i mean he's still a really famous guy i imagine it's really difficult for him to do his, his normal shtick of you know the hidden camera stuff but i do remember from around that time as well that he, he was dressed up in his character in admiral Gen- general aldine on every single talk show he he, he did yeah rounds. he was the character absolutely he went to the red carpet at the Oscars and he think he spilled Kim Jong-un's ashes on someone, on like one of the reporters and like that. Yeah, he was really like, he wasn't trying to hide that it was Sasha Baron Cohen. But at the same time, like this is around the time where he was appearing in Hugo. I think not too long afterwards, he appeared in Les Mis. Like he was, I think also just trying to maybe rebound himself as like a an actor, not just like as Sasha Baron Cohen. So I suppose it kind of makes sense. But I think, you know, this just is, it's sort of at a weird time for him. But it, at the same time, it like from the point of view of the political analysis of films, it's clear that he and the writers have done their homework. Do you know what I mean? Like that's when we meet Zoe, which is Anna Farris character, and she's talking about the nature of their co-op and how, you know, how inclusive it is. If you're from the outside looking in, extreme lengths to which she goes to make sure the place is inclusive, that that feels very reminiscent of a real person. Obviously taken up to an absurd extreme, but you know, that person feels real. 
lot of things that Aladdin does, you know, the nuclear weapons program is very clearly meant to be a reference to Ahmadinejad in Iran or, you know, or Kim famously, Jong-il. yeah, or Kim Jong-il. Uh, although I think like at, around this time was when Iran was the number one discussion point. I remember, I think it was a talking point. Was? I think it's still no, no, but now. yeah, Iran, but Iran kind of went away for a while because North Korea kind of became nuclear, oh, okay. nu- nuclear potential number one. But at the time it was all Iran. And I remember there was this argument that I saw that um, some neoconservatives make, which was that Iran is a greater threat than North Korea because North Korea, you know, they believe in the state and keeping the state going. Whereas Iran, these are all religious fundamentalists. They'll destroy the world if they get the chance. Obviously, all nonsense. But at the time, Iran was the boogeyman in American pop culture at the time. And so I think that there is a lot of Iran in there. And But Gaddafi is the main the main character that he is parodying like the all-female bodyguard group was something that Gaddafi did not too long before when he was I think on his what ended up being his last state visit to the US yeah well, I mean Gaddafi's had that or he had that all-female bodyguard for a while didn't he yeah but I think it, I think it just became people became particularly aware of it during his last um when did when did Gaddafi die what year was that um, that is a very charitable way of saying what Gaddafi, what happened to Gaddafi. Uh, let me see. Gaddafi died in 2000, Gaddafi died in 2011. Oh yeah, no, I think it is actually mentioned in the movie. So I think it is mentioned that Gaddafi died just before or the year prior or whatever it was. I think the character that was, it. yeah, because they also referred to Osama bin Laden being killed. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah. really hiding out in Aladdin's guest house or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, a lot of moments of the movie you go. That's very funny. But... I, I don't know about that one. I think that one is just like they they've been thinking about this movie for a while and wanted to make a lot of uh, Bin Laden jokes, and then Bin Laden died, and they thought mm. to themselves, "Ah, oh, shit, we can't make these uh, these Bin Laden jokes anymore. Fuck it, we're just yeah. gonna do it anyway," and put them in. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, I think this is kind of the same with Gaddafi as well where this is clearly meant to be sent up with Gaddafi and real life got in the way. The film was also... I did appreciate that the opening of the film is dedicated to the memory of Kim, Jol- Kim Jong-il. Just a funny bit and how he talks about like all the other dictators are laughing at him for his mediocre his mediocre weapons. Yeah, um, yeah. And then he names a couple of dictators who at the time of release had uh, perished. I think that that's kind of a problem with like pulled from the headlines films is that not only are they dated when you watch them back like 10 years ago, but they're kind of dated when they come out. This film kind of does suffer from that. Like you're pointing out, they want to slag off Osama Bin Laden, but you have to suddenly reshoot, presumably, or rewrite a lot of stuff because real life happens. And it's not like South Park where you can release it the week that the event happens. I think there are some jokes that still hold up. There are, there are some jokes that still do hold up politically even, or even with the headlines. The jokes that are less about individuals and events, you know, less about uh, Osama bin Laden and about Gaddafi dying and whatever else. But the jokes about, that like we were just mentioning this earlier on, about the two the two anchors. So are you talking about the news anchors in the American show yeah. or the news anchors on the, because I also have thoughts on the news anchors of the Wadian show. But right, yeah, okay. the, I mean, the new. The news anchors on the American show seem quite oblivious to everything to an absurd degree where you're watching you're watching events unfold and they're just sort of like they're telling you what's happening, but in such a bland candor that like seems like these absurd things are meant to be normal. They talk about who they believe to be Aladdin falling off the stage of the UN and 
throwing his piss at the Israeli ambassador and all this sort of stuff as though it's very normal and though as though this is just the thing that's done which and it's and it and it as if there's some greater kind of, like there's like a political calculation to it like it's, yeah. it's, there's there's something that like this is trying to explain the absurd like in in a diplomatic way i don't even think that it's trying to explain the absurd in a different way i like to think that it's just talking about how the media kind of refuses to acknowledge what they'll see in front of them sometimes and no that's what just... that's that's what i mean in that they are looking at these absurd things happening and trying to explain it and trying yeah. to, or trying to state what's happening and being like well actually it means you know that just means this well this yeah, is the... totally typical it just means this they're gaslighting they're gaslighting i don't think they are though i think it i thought the idea was that they are so ridiculous in themselves they they are so hardwired to think in one way that the idea that this could just be a man throwing his urine because he's an eccentric, shall we say, can't even enter their head. Like, they are just almost programmed like robots. Yeah. Yeah, fair. What about the um, the Wadian journalists? I mean, yeah, sure, let's call them journalists. Um, it, so basically you have like a Sunday morning or like more like a kind of a Saturday morning chat show set up where you have these so for two... So listeners, it's kind of like an Ireland AM. Yeah, it's like an... Ireland AM, maybe like kind of Sunday brunch or Saturday kitchen kind of vibe. And yeah, you've got a man and a woman with these big like toothy smiles who are just very kind of casually and and joyfully, particularly in comparison to the American podcasters, joyfully discussing. They're not American podcasters, dear, but they're American journalists. I didn't, I, did I say podcaster? Oh, I'm so sorry. You're, you're an Irish podcaster. That's very kind of you. And unlike the American journalists or you know the American newsreaders, they are um, there's a lot of kind of joy and upbeatness to them that feels a lot less smug, but they are essentially um, sunny propagandists. They sell the wonders of idea to actually we don't even know if the audience is strictly domestic or if maybe some it's some international stuff as well. But I think it's also kind of insinuated that nobody in idea has a television. Mm. You know, they they clearly have nothing. It's it's just a, it is a cartoon version of what a, a Middle Eastern African dictatorship looks like. In that yeah. there's no houses anywhere for anyone. There's just a palace in the middle of a desert, surrounded by nothing but sand. Mm. Um, and the dictator will drive in in his golden armored cars and do his big speech. I did like that little touch at the end of the movie when after he 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 marries the uh, the hippie, the environmentalist, the Golden armored cars have been replaced by golden smart cars. Yeah, I love the I love the bit at the end where she's talking to these Saturday morning hosts about the money they're putting into women's refuges, while at the same time, his he's still an abhorrent dictator, and this is very much a plaster being put over a gaping wound. And yet she's kind of talking about, it, but I actually won't be able to focus on this at the moment because I'm I'm pregnant as well. Like it says a lot about a type of person who is willing to overlook so much because of love. And and to be fair, there's there's certain things that happen in this film that feel kind of prescient to things that would come along later down the line. Like, you know, you'd see women saying, well, you know, you'd, you'd have these articles saying, I'm a feminist, but I'm going to marry my Trump supporter boyfriend because I love him. And that got a lot of ire because, you know, Trump is not was not seen as a, a friend of feminism shall we say yeah so I, I think that maybe that that kind of person who puts on the show 
and make and makes it makes it very clear that they are very progressive and very forward-minded when the opportunity comes to be less so they might take that opportunity or well it's, it's not even they, that they're taking sorry sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's not even that they're taking the opportunity to to advance themselves or anything like that they are they want to portray themselves as being a particular way but at the same mm. time doing things that completely contradict that and also having you know for someone who, who kind of talks about the way she wants to make everything horizontal and make sure that everyone's equal her actual structural critiques of the problems in Wadia amount to electric cars and some money for women shelters, which compared to, and look, obviously electric cars, very important. Women shelters, very, very, very important. But in comparison to the issues of Wadia. Her husband is the, the issue. Her her, ish, her husband, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's funny that she, she might actually be the second worst character in the whole movie. Uh, mm, I don't know. The guy who the the guy who actively wants to go back to making nuclear missiles and is willing to help on on as long as he is allowed uh, go back and and make bombs specifically to destroy the state of Israel. Yeah, yeah. There's lots I of jokes know. about destroying the state of Israel in this movie. Um, yes, we should point. It, so Baron Cohen himself is Jewish and takes anti-Semitism really seriously, and it's interesting that he has said since you know talking about Borat that he has thought about. I think more so with Borat and, and the throw the Jew down the well and that sort of stuff from Borat. But also I would imagine with this film as well, how through trying to satirize and parody anti-Semitism, he may have normalized it in some way in, 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 to some people. And I think, I think Matt Stone um, from South Park has wondered that stuff as well. But, you know, they're trying to parody this type of anti-Semite, but actually perhaps they allowed certain language to become more normalized in a way that they never expected or intended. Yeah, well, they say that this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but uh, they say kind of something similar with, with war movies. So even if you make an anti-war movie, it's possible to make an anti-war movie because war looks cool. Uh, so if you make a movie that involves war, it's just, you know, going to glorify violence and just look dramatic and good on the big screen. I think it's kind of the same way with a lot of satire. Yeah, I mean, feeling. yeah, I mean, we had seen there we we've just had uh, president biden's inauguration at the time of recording and when donald trump was leaving he was playing his um his campaign soundtrack one of the songs that was playing as he was boarding the plane was fortunate son and that song is essentially a critique of donald trump it's a critique of the people who were able to not have to go to vietnam and fight and die and lose everything because their father was able to sort them out and yet Hey, it's a cool rock song, and it's something you've heard in a lot of war movies where America is being cool, and and it loses a lot of that meaning. Same with Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen as well. Mm. Nice, lots of nice tangents there. Yeah, no, but I think it's it's an important tangent because this is meant to be a satire, and some of the things that Aladdin says, you listen to it and you go, I that was probably absurd in two thousand and. 12 or 2010 maybe when he's filming this but actually in modern day jokes about like anti-semitism is a massive problem in in the mainstream conspiracy theories are a massive problem you know and he could never see that coming but it's it's just important to to, to remember those things and note those things that's true i should just say as well that um in the movie anna faris's character in the movie zoe she is jewish so he mm-hmm. Un- unbeknownst to himself, he 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 marries a Jewish person. 
and he finds out just after they're married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, ultimate bad end for an anti-Semite, I guess. Um, I mean, it's not for him. He can just have her sent to Little Wendia. Yeah, send her, send her right back home. One thing you mentioned there, some of the jokes that would have been shocking when the movie was released are a lot less shocking now. One thing that has aged really badly in this movie is that there are a lot of characters in brownface, or a lot of actors mm. in brownface, like a lot of actors. Mm. Yeah. Even, even just, you know, people who are like Greek origin playing people from North Africa. Yeah, it's it's even that by modern standards would be great. But yeah, there is. Putting on, there's a, putting lot on of, a, a, a Middle Eastern accent. Mm, just Yeah. Yeah, there, there's loads of jokes in the, in the movie about just how funny the language sounds. Mm. Which is a bit, it's lazy in one um, in one level, and it's also kind of not. Well, it's it's not funny, but it's it, it is just lazy in one level. Yeah, I I I think that this is a really actually a really interesting symbol of how much the culture has changed in the past ten years. That so much of this film, it's not even that it would be seen as offensive. I think people would just go, "Oh, I've seen this before," and also a lot of it would be seen as offensive. And yeah. I think that the equal opportunity slagging i think doesn't maybe cover all of them maybe the the issues that this film has um yeah but it, I just, when i when you mentioned the, the journalists there the the wadian journalists on the wadia am or whatever it's called basically the actors they just wear fake tan put on different I, and yeah i just assumed they were like italian american or something or like like when they started talking and I had I saw them and thought oh these are like Americans maybe he had brought in yeah. and they started speaking I thought, in the I thought accent. They were supposed to be on an, an American TV show. Yeah, and then he starts they speak in the accent. I was like oh yeah, I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny but not for the reason that they wanted it to be funny. Yeah, Jack. I've, so would you recommend this movie? No, <laughs> I I don't. I don't think people recommended it at the time. It's it it, it was dated and it, it's not Sasha Baron Cohen's best work by any any measure. Yeah, it, it, I, think, it, I think he was in I think he was in Hugo in this year as well, and that that was a significantly better film. Hugo's entertaining, yeah, at least from what I remember. But yeah, the dictator, nah, not great. What would you? Yeah, you recommended me Here's to watch thing. this. You made me watch this fucking movie. Here's the thing: it is on Netflix. If you are looking for something to just like stick on. Don't stick on this. Well, what I will say is you know? it, it is decent, like a decent hangover movie or something like that. You know, if you're not really able to focus on anything, but just want something there, this can, thing, this, was, this, this can be there. There's a significant amount of this film that I just do not, did not remember even as we're discussing it right now. So yeah, I think that's fair. I will say, I'm not even, there's nothing I will say. This, yeah, this movie is not worth watching. I, I know, it. Like it might be, I wouldn't say it's not worth watching at all, but... No, here, well, here's the thing. I would say it's worth it's worth going on YouTube and going on, like, one of those movie clips channels and finding the, the appro- like, a couple of funny clips. Uh, or Yeah. Couple. But the thing, the thing about that that kind of annoys me is that they, especially the speech at the end, like, they were clear, like, there, there are moments in the movie that are good. Like, they mm. clearly knew what they were doing. They were... They could have made a really good movie out of it. They could have genuinely gone in there, made a good, an actual good piece of satire, but they chose not to. They chose to rehash jokes that they liked two years prior to the release of the movie. They chose to just rewrite them to make them not completely out of date. I think there's also a problem when you're trying to satire like 
a dictatorship in an American film, like as in like a Middle Eastern or North African style dictatorship in American film, there's always going to be a certain level of distance there. We watched Network last week, which is very clearly a satire of an American news studio and of a growing issue within America. Whereas as an audience member, I don't really have like a big view on Wadia or, and to be fair, Sasha Baron Cohen doesn't have a great relationship. Like he's, it's not like he is a, the citizen of a country with a dictator like uh, General Admiral Aladdin. Do you know? So I think that it's a yeah, political I don't cartoon. Know. It's a, it's a political cartoon. They turn into an hour and a half long movie. Yeah. Before we start finishing up, though, I do want to ask: What is your opinion on Gaddafi? What a question what, to throw in! At what is your opinion like, on Gaddafi? You're not getting away that I, easily. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no. I don't have an opinion on Gaddafi. Why would I have an opinion on a man who's been dead for, as I found out, ten years? Ten years. That's mad, isn't it? Oh, ten years. Like, I, I don't have. Should I have an opinion? I appreciated how minimalist the Libyan flag was under his rule. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, what do you yeah, want? That, that's, Why? I mean, of all the nations' flags, that was either one of the best or one of the worst. That definitely, definitely true. No, no. I, I just remember because I, I used to bring, bring tours around, around Ireland, and we would have lots of older Americans on them. Um, so like kind of baby boomer age for the most part, and. Uh, I remember bringing a tour group into into Derry and uh, just all the political murals around around Derry and, and whatever else. And I don't think I don't think it was in Derry when we when we saw this mural, but there was a mural of Colonel Gaddafi on one of the the nationalists, like the the Irish in, in like in an Irish community in a city in in Northern Ireland. And um, yeah, so someone I, th- I think they found I, I can't quite remember the details, but they they they, they either saw or they they showed me a photo they had found of a mural of Colonel Gaddafi. And in Derry we had we had seen like a, a we, we went to the Free Derry Museum and there's a big there was a big Palestinian flag painted all over it. Which for an American visiting Ireland, I imagine was quite shocking. But mm. they asked me to explain why <laughs> why there was a mural of Muammar Gaddafi on a wall in a street in Northern Ireland amongst a community who were ostensibly fighting against tyranny and oppression and all this sort of stuff. Well, I believe, wasn't his party like the socialist union, the Arab socialist yeah. party, the Arab socialist union or something like that? Like, I think yeah, that there the was... The reason why was because in the 1970s, I think, like, Gaddafi was very much against uh, Western imperialism and especially British imperialism as well, and like mm. in particular British imperialism. So he did supply arms to the IRA. And so the good old oh, IRA getting guns go. from both the Americans... And the Libyans. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, wasn't there? Didn't he train some IRA as well? Yeah, yeah, he did. He he had connections with the IRA. Yeah. Uh, I have a slight correction just to put in on you, Jack. The language that they're speaking, it, you're all through when it's meant to be, you know, Aladdin's language. It is Hebrew that they're speaking. Really? So that's so very that's good. why. That's yeah. Great. That's yeah. very fun. That's very good. And it, like, it's like, oh, it's the reason that it's the funny language is because if you know that it's Hebrew, the joke is that he's violently anti-Semitic, but he okay. is speaking Hebrew. I actually feel a lot better about that joke then. I actually feel. Yeah, that's well done, Sash, but that's a very good. Well done. Ten years later, two lads from a continent and an ocean away from where the movie was made. He's English, though, isn't he? He's English. Oh, OK. Damn. But uh, so yeah. we're, we're one country over from you. 
but oh, you're the content in away. You're in England. I'm in England. That's true. I am in England right now. Yeah, you're right next. To, you live next to Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, yeah. Well, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I should probably bring that up with him that I've slagged off his film as his extra neighbor. No, good. I'm actually. Good. Yeah. That's the cleverest thing I'm, about I'm, this movie, actually. The the, the, the Hebrew stuff. Fair that, play. That's very good. That's very good. That's well done. <laughs> Well done. We actually, I'm, we now hardly recommend this movie. No, no, no. Or maybe there's other Easter eggs like that. If you know of any Easter eggs in the uh, the the dictator Sasha Baron Cohen's opus from 2012, please tweet uh, to to Dermot Burke um, at Dermot G Burke with your dictator tweets. With your dictator tweets. Okay, so I think we'll will we start wrapping up, or yeah, anything else I think I think we will. Okay. Um, I have to sleep off these Kievs. Before we go, though, I will, I will just talk about what movie we're going to watch next week. Oh, I'm very excited. Here's the thing. We don't tell each other what film, which is why when I said The Dictator to Jack last week, he was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what film. So I felt that I had to... Um, wait, hang on. I have one question about the film. Is, is Ryan Gosling in it? Um, No, actually. Okay, Ryan Gosling good. is not in this movie. But yeah, so The, the, the Dictator, I, I, I felt that I had to... And I want to be very careful with my words here. Mm-hmm. After watching this movie, I felt that I did have to trump your pick. Oh, no. I had to do something better than your pick. Are you going to go with what I think you're going with? What do you think I'm going with? The Art of the Deal starring Johnny Depp? No, 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 no. I'm going oh. with The Great Dictator. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen it, so I'm actually, I'm genuinely looking forward to watching this. Yeah. So that's what we're going to watch next week. Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. You heard it here, folks. First. So I'm going in a totally different direction. A good satire. Yes. Well, as good as satire can be. Anyway, that was great. That was really good. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you like the show, then please rate, subscribe, share with your greatest. I think this is this is a share with your greatest enemies episode. Um, we've done a couple ah, of these. I mean, like, share the episode share with, with your friends, want. but share the movie with your enemies. Yes. Yes. Share it around if you really like it. We'd really, 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 really appreciate it. And try to stay safe. Jack, I'll give you the final word. Uh, again, stay safe, everyone. And we really do appreciate any support that you can give us. We are still just starting out. This uh, is one of our first episodes. So we really do appreciate any feedback or any support that you can possibly give us. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.